Welcome to the Bite Size Book Club podcast, She Well Read. We're your hosts, Alana and Samra, and we're two black girls in our mid-20s who are on a journey to get back into reading. Our goal is to encourage women to not only read any and everything, but to also read at your own pace. Each episode, we take a bite-sized approach to reading by breaking down one chapter of a book and diving into a multitude of topics. We see reading as a source of empowerment and want to bring people together through shared experiences and provide a platform that promotes reading as a source of empowerment. Thanks for being here and let's get on to the show. Hey, well-read baddies. Welcome to another episode of She Well Read. I'm Alana. And I'm Samra. And today we have another Black 365 mini soda for y'all. We've been coming in hot with the Black 365. I would just like to say, first of all, props to us. Yes, this is a pat on the back. I'm just kidding. Uh, Anywho, uh, but today we have author Tatiana Johnson with us today. Welcome, Tatiana, to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on today. So before we get into things, can you tell us about yourself and then also tell our audience about you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm Tatiana Johnson Boria. I... In, in New England. I live in Massachusetts. I'm a writer and artist. Uh, I just released a book, which I think we're going to talk about. I teach. Um, what else? Oh my gosh, I was not prepared to say anything else other than that. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm a new mom. Um, yeah, so that's that's it, I guess, right now. We'll learn more as we go. Yes, exactly. We're going to learn all about you. So speaking of, yes, we are going to be talking about your new book today, which, okay, is it Nocturne and Joy? Yes, yes. Okay, that's what I thought. I was was like, I don't know why this word is tripping me up. So (laughs) I kept looking at it and I'm like, it's Nocturne, like nocturnal. But then I was like, maybe it's not. And so, anywho. It's not like a word I feel like you're reading all the every day, you know. See, I love a validation. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell us a little bit about your book and some inspiration that came to building this or writing this book, I should say. Yeah, so I started um this book kind of started with my master's thesis and I was like writing a lot of poems. Well, I got a master's in creative writing. Um, and I had to write like a collection of poems for my thesis. And so I was like playing around with a bunch of different poems and writing a lot about like healing and survival, which I feel like is my like core of why I write. And so, yeah, I was like not really sure if it was a book or not really sure how all the pieces fit together. And, you know, going through that thesis process, it's like the one time I think I had to like really dig into creating some creating a body of work if it was a book or a thesis or something like that and so I started really getting into um reading about like different forms and like a nocturne is kind of like a form in a way it's like from music and so I was like oh my gosh I think that this is like this is something with the book like nocturne is in the space here and yeah I had all these poems I didn't see feel like they fit together but my thesis advisor was like yeah these fit together and here's why <laughs> and so yeah it kind of started from there and um I think during the pandemic or like right as it started I feel like 
I kind of was in like, I'm sure so many people were like in this place of like, what's, it was like a real valley, let's call it. And I think that this book really came out of that time. Like, I think that's kind of what the Nocturne is about. And I could talk more about that. But yeah, that's just a little bit like high level, I think, the timeline of it. I love that your thesis advisor was able to like help you like see through. I feel like sometimes it's like when you are too in the nitty gritty of stuff, you can't see the big picture because you're too close. Like even like Mm -hmm. with just like anxiety, it's feel like it's like that type of thing. Um, Random that it just about mental health. There's no reason for that. (laughs) No, I think that this book is really kind of, it is about mental health. Like, I feel like, um, like the nocturne I was reading about, about it. And it's kind of like this idea of like a threshold or a door between two spaces, like, um, you know, a space of maybe joy, a space of maybe pain or difficulty. And so that's kind of where I was like, oh, that I think is what the book's about. And the poems, I'm like, oh, I'm writing about my mom. Or no, I'm writing about my childhood. Or no, I'm writing about, you know, being a Black woman. And I'm like, no, I'm writing about that threshold. And so I think that's, like, what kind of, you know, bound things together. And that thesis advisor, um, I remember, like, there was another class that I took with him. And he was he partnered us up and said, share your poems with another person, like, five or six poems in a sequence. And listen to what they see. And in that partnering, the person who I was partnered with saw all these things that I didn't see either. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is something. So yeah, I definitely needed to zoom out and I needed somebody else to, you know, to say, this is something you should, you should keep going with it. Yeah. I feel like oftentimes that happens. Like when we talk about reading, obviously we talk about reading a lot in the show, um, <laughs> but it's always interesting, like when we're talking about different books that we've read, like even Sam and I discussing the books that we've read, the totally different takes that you can have on these texts that is mm-hmm. different from somebody else's view of what they heard. So mm-hmm. I think that was a really interesting exercise. And I can like see the method behind the exercise of what they yeah. did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And especially with like something like poetry, like. I know, at least for me, I'm, like, getting into poetry because I used mm. to, like, not be really interested in it before. Like, I was like, oh, that's cute. A little poem. <laughs> <laughs> but now I can see, like, the deeper beauty and, like, oh, po- like, oh, shit. Like, they were saying it's, it looked like they were saying that. But really, if you think about it, they were saying this. Yeah, yeah. I feel like when I was in high school, I remember – I didn't think that, I didn't know like what my thing was, let's say. So like I remember in high school, people were like really good at math or really good at science or something. And I was like, I'm terrible at all those things. And, but I was really, um, I felt like I really, you know, felt good with English. Like I felt like I understood it. And I didn't think that that was like a skill per se. And I remember we were reading some Shakespeare poem thing and the the teacher I had was like oh well what what do you think this means and I said oh I it means this and I felt so confident about it she's she was like yeah and I'm like oh that's a thing that you can like think about meaning like that's a skill or that's something you know and so I feel like when I realized oh there's some like 
I don't know, something interesting there. Like poetry felt like that same thing, like finding out the meaning behind something or ways to use words in a different way to like push towards a different meaning or different emotion. So I think that that's like why I kind of gravitated towards poetry, but I do write in all other genres too. But like, that's like my, my thing, I would say. That You're like I bread feel and like butter. I always return to. Yeah. And I, I remember I was at this talk and Roxanne Gay was there. And um, I remember I asked a question at, in the Q&A, like, oh, I'm giving an MFA in poetry. And she was like, oh, you should get an MFA in nonfiction. <laughs> like, that's not going to make you any money. But I feel like what it has taught me is that, like, the real power in, like, language in, like, the most minute or smallest way. So I don't know. Not to say her advice was good or bad, but it was just like, I feel like it was, I'm glad I got the poetry degree. It's creative writing, but you know, my, my um, concentration was poetry. So I feel like my whole world would have been rocked, like in that moment, like would have questioned all of my, I know, I, I, I feel like I'm still thinking about that. And that happened like five years ago. (laughs) No, I feel like, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, like, oh, my whole identity. but Right. And I feel, I'm not going to go too deep into it because, you know, maybe, you know, maybe she was trying to say something else, but it just did not. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe, I feel like sometimes when we talk about things, like, I feel like that's when my dad, it's reminding me of like when my dad told me not to get a marketing degree mm. um, because it's not something that necessarily guarantees you a job when you graduate. So to yeah. go into something safe. So I got an accounting degree. Um, <laughs> right. Well, that's a skill that's useful. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't even do accounting anymore because I don't like accounting. I never did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew in through his like, I'm not going to say pressure, but like a little bit. But, you know, certain people that you look up to or, like, you actually value their advice can, like, have that effect on you, like, question all of your life choices and decisions. But I feel like if you're, like, really good at it and, like, you feel it, like, in your gut, like, you feel that calling towards it, like, that's different. Because I feel like there's so many people, like, if they would have listened to people, like, say stuff like that to them, like, I feel like there'd be so many things in the world that we would not have that are essential. That's a really good point. I feel like it was coming from maybe like a big sister type right. of like, like, listen to me. I know this industry. I mean, yeah. I have to say the publishing industry is very different from writing. Like, I feel really? like I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I feel like I'm learning every day, especially with this other project that I'm working on. But um, so I get why she said it. But I'm also like, I'm very glad I got the degree at the same time. So. A period, and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love Roxanne, Roxanne Gay. If she's hearing this, like, I'm not trying to say anything about Roxanne Gay. I love Roxanne Gay. <laughs> yes, Miss Girl, nothing but love. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so following up on your book, Nocturne and Joy, um, I was kind of reading into like what it was about, and mm-hmm. I saw that you explore concepts of black vulnerability which and could you have another poetry book uh that i saw on your site for the love of black girls i was like i'm gonna remember this name because i really liked it (laughs) it's really interesting 
Um, so is that something, or what I really want to ask was, could you share like what inspired you to like write in that way on black vulnerability Mm -hmm. and like what that means to you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing up that other book. That was a self-published book that I put together, um, of poems I wrote, you know, specifically talking about black womanhood or black girlhood. And I, I've been thinking about this because, you know, this book's coming out in this context of our society, which feels very different from when I, like, at the height of the pandemic, where I feel like everyone was like, yeah, like, we want to talk about Black writers, and we want Black women here, and we want our DEI, and we want our, you know, and I feel like now it's like, it feels like a completely different time. (laughs) So it's like, I've been asking myself, like, why like, why is this so core to me still? Like, I'm still writing about this. This, it feels like that hasn't changed for me, which makes me think, oh, what, like, this is, you know, I feel like it's absolutely necessary to write about. And I feel like it's not something that is a fad. I don't want to say people are calling it a fad, but isn't something that is going to go away for me. Like, it's about livelihood. It's about, like, the people that, you know, in my community and also people that um like ancestrally like people that I come from I don't think that we've had the opportunity especially especially black women to be vulnerable in a way that like doesn't look like how other people want it to look um and that's you know completely I don't know outside of a strong narrative or an angry narrative, you know, I think that there's not a lot of dimension that we're offered a lot of the time. So I think that's why I'm like, you know, so focused on Black vulnerability, especially from, you know, that perspective. And, you know, I was actually thinking about, um, there's an artist named Simone Lee. I don't know if you all have, you all would really love her stuff, but in Boston- yeah (laughs) she um she just like did the something called the biennale in italy which is like this huge thing for an artist to do and so she had an exhibit here i live in the boston area and i went to it and she had this movie of this like black woman like singing opera but also talking about like i've been performing my whole life she kept saying that over and over and i'm like wow i feel like that is the thing like that is it like we are often in a place where we're forced to perform or forced to or encouraged to be a certain way and so anyway I think about how powerful it is to like push against that and to speak against that or to provide other narratives that run counter to that so a roundabout way to answer your question I guess that's that's why I find it so important that's why like that's my approach it it's not something that I don't think will change for, you know, what I feel like is my purpose of things to write about. You know, it's like, that's the driver, I think. Um, it looks like different things each time, but um, I feel like that's the core of it. I think that's what's so cool about being an artist, honestly, is like, no matter how I choose to express myself, like, there's going to be... A, I guess like if you put all your art into one room it would all like connect almost because mm-hmm. you're 
like passion at the end of the day comes from within you and like you know mm -hmm. that stuff doesn't really yeah. change yeah yeah I'm so glad that you are doing what you do because <laughs> we need more of it and I think that time always tells like who's really for black women um because you're mm. right like everybody wants certain things from us and they don't want our vulnerability and it's not mm -hmm. something that's mainstream at all um it's always like the same type of black girl that's in every show that's in every movie and it's always the same struggle and it's like i love that we're starting to get our spaces to tell our stories but mm -hmm. i think that it's just we need more <laughs> so and they need to fund oh, it <laughs> yes yes the funding is key That's the <laughs> i was about to say and emphasis on the funding bar yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. for sure for sure yeah. um but yeah i had like so many thoughts when you were talking <laughs> i was trying to like keep up with them i was like oh that was a good point oh and this and then this and i was like calm down compose yourself um <laughs> But I think one of the, the initial things that you were saying, like how it kind of in 2020, there was like this, I don't want to call it a movement, but that's low key what it felt like of movement mm -hmm. of like being pro-black. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, and then, like you said, kind of after that, like, you know, our 15 minutes of fame were up, it kind of just dwindled back to like business as usual. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of sort of the inspiration behind these mini shows and this series of episodes that we do. We call Ooh. it Black 365 because we're like, we are Black 365 days out of the year. Mm -hmm. Like, we're yeah. like, we don't get to pick and choose. We were born this way. We are proud to be this way. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's just something that should be, not something yeah. that should just randomly like oh my gosh like no this is all yep. the time what do you mean <laughs> yep 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 and especially on the emphasis of black women which all of our listeners know i'm a huge tiktok girly uh, i don't know if oh, you're on, on tiktok i just got on tiktok and my little cousins have been like like trying to support me in this <laughs> but yes. i'm like a novice let's just say listen <laughs> Not only do I love watching and listening and reviewing TikToks, we love making TikToks. Um, all, right, all right. And so, like, I'm, Samra's like, you got to drag me some days. But it's <laughs> okay. Listen, she shows up. I give her instructions and she does it. She kills it every time. And I'm here for it. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yes. Shout out to you, Sams. Um <laughs> But what I was going to say is there's kind of this trend going on right now that I have been kind of, it's like slowly growing, I think, where it's, there's a lot of black women on the app who are talking about um, in the workplace and like corporately specifically, how we have to show up a certain way and we don't get the same privileges that other races necessarily get when they show up to work. Like, we have to be on time. We have to be prompt. We have to be lively. Like you kind of think of the typical, like kind of like you were saying, or I think it was yeah. Samra who was saying like in movies and media and things like that, like the typical black woman, like you think about the typical black woman in a movie where there's like an office setting or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's always the same type of black woman. 
Yep. And it's because yep. that's how they see us. And that's mm-hmm. how we have to show up to work every day. Yeah, yeah. But being like, why can't I choose to have a bad day at work? Like, why can't I have a lazy day at work? Why can't I, like, not be in the mood, too? Yeah, or make a mistake. Or, right. Or, I don't know. Yeah, like, the list yeah. goes on. Like, yeah. But yeah. I feel like we're just so used to it. It's just like, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> Yeah. And so being able to highlight and talk about those, like even nuances, like stuff like that, that happen, like being a black woman, I think is really important. And especially through bodies of work like this, like in reading is super Mm -hmm. important. And to be able to like see yourself essentially. Yeah. um, And be represented by somebody who looks like you, not to like go all like cookie cutter, what everybody talks about. (laughs) No, I agree that that stuff matters. Like, representation visibility mm-hmm. in the different types you know right of that and as you said nuanced versions of that like mm-hmm. make you feel like affirmed as a person so, right yeah yeah so besides black vulnerability what are some of the other themes that you kind of touch on in the book that our readers can yeah. expect if they were to read it yeah yeah so we talked a little bit about mental health i think there is a section in the a book called EMDR, which is a type of therapy. You you know what I'm talking about. So yes, um, I literally I think I had I read it and maybe it went, might have been in one of the bios or descriptions of the book somewhere. I read that and I remember being like, oh my gosh, we have to talk about this because I'm in therapy and it's something that me and my therapist have talked about, me potentially doing. So it's definitely something wow. I wanted to hear more about. Yeah. Well. Outside of this podcast, if you want to talk about it, we should talk about it. Yes. It's, it's probably one of the most intense things I've ever done, but also one of the most like healing things I've ever done. It's kind of like reprocessing, like kind of repairing yourself in these, you know, sessions with a therapist or a practitioner. And so I had written this poem about EMDR and I didn't see it as part of this book or I didn't see it as like connecting to anything. And this is one of the poems that I feel like, oh, wow, like somebody else could see the, the, like the synergy, I guess, or the way that things connected. And, you know, it's really about that process going through EMDR. And I feel like for a while, my therapist was talking about it, and I was like, yeah, I don't think I need that. I don't need that deep work. I'm okay, right? <laughs> and so, but when I started doing it, I was like, wow, this is like, I feel like I've worked through so much stuff that I didn't think I would ever be able to work through. And so I was, I started writing about it in this way, like thinking about memory, thinking about how we can think back on something that's happened. And Um, feel like you're living in that moment, but also like rewriting that moment. And one of the things that I learned in these sessions was like about kind of reparenting yourself or like reimagining yourself in these moments that you might have needed yourself. And so that's kind of what the EMDR poem is about. Or there's some parts of the book that talk about mental health or like the self kind of going back to the versions of the self that needed that support. And I feel like sometimes you have to think about, or at least I have to think about myself as like the possibility that I have to like be able to do that, to be able to care for myself, to be be able to care for those past versions of myself. 
And like, that's the reason why I can like survive and live each day, you know? And yeah, like, I think the mental health component is a big deal. Like for a long time, I didn't know I was diagnosed with PTSD. I feel like I'm like, when I found that out, I was like something else unlocked. So, and then I think the history of my family, there's a lot of mental health stuff and, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but this other project I'm working on really like hones in on mental health. But um, I think that that's a component that I don't think, you know, especially Black women, we don't always get to like deconstruct that, you know, um, or like really work through those hard moments in public <laughs> or like with support, you know, um, it's kind of a private thing. So I was kind of nervous to release this book because of that, because I'm sharing these things about myself that I'm like, you know, (laughs) but I think it's important, like, I don't know, to feel affirmed in the mental health ways, too. Yes. And I'm sure it was, was it healing, like getting it on paper and just like, was it almost like a release type of thing? I definitely think it was healing and it also was like, oh my gosh, I survived those things or like, I'm here. Period. And that feels like, that feels like really affirming, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, like the confidence that comes with age and I guess experience when you have had that time to process things and you can like walk away like, okay, not only did I like get through that stuff, but I'm thriving at this point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, um, I don't even know where I was going with that, honestly, like whatever, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, can I say one thing yeah. that you reminded me of? Um, yeah, please. I remember my therapist was saying, okay, we, like after we did EMDR, I don't know, it was like a year or something. And she was like, I think, you know, it's a good time to think about not just surviving, but how to survive, how to thrive now in your life. Like, how do you live? And I was like, oh, what? (laughs) So, yeah. You said, wait, I get to live? I'm a real girl. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) I feel you. (laughs) I feel that. I mean, not in an EMDR way, even though now I'm like, ooh. I want to do that because I want that next (laughs) level unlocked. And I do feel like there's a lot of things where, I don't know, it's interesting too because you're saying you like you can go back and reparent yourself. And just because babies are like in the air and on my mind, it's like I've heard that parents say the same thing of like, Raising my my kid is like re- getting to reparent myself, and it's almost like a healing that they experience. It seems like, um, and I just think that's cool that you can like take what your parents did and be like, "I'm never doing that to my child," <laughs> and then you'd never do that to your child, and you get to see like what they would end up like. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. almost like healing. I could see how that would be healing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of unreal because I definitely heard that, like, oh, you're reparenting yourself when you raise a child. And, you know, becoming a parent or a new parent, I guess I expected that, but it's, like, really, like, 
oh my god like every day like sometimes I'm holding my son and I'm like oh my gosh like I'm doing this thing that I wanted but I'm doing it like I have the capacity to do it and that like kind of like it feels like I'm being rewired all the time um but in other ways it's been difficult because I'm like how can my parents have done this thing and like further like highlights it so it's interesting it's like both things are happening but it's really powerful i feel oh lord that's like what is that a nocturne that's you're like that's a nocturne right there yeah that threshold <laughs> yeah yes. yeah like, bitch not you being not you being able to use it in a sentence <laughs> and did i learned a new word today i'm so weak um Yes. No, when you were, again, because I'm pretty sure I've talked about this on the show before about how I've been interested in EMDR and like Samra's heard mm. me talk about it like way earlier this year. And then I kind of just stopped. <laughs> but it was because I was taking a pause from therapy because I was like, oh, everything is great. Like, I'm good. And then life happened. And I was like, hmm, mm. I need to go back to therapy. <laughs> like, I need to go work some shit out. Um, and yeah. so I've been like, kind of like in the back of my mind thinking like, cause I'm almost low key having to catch my therapist up on like, what, ha- like it's giving very much, this is, or this is what you missed on Glee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, but at some point, like, I want to be like, okay, I know we talked about this like forever ago about me doing this type of therapy work, but mm-hmm. I really like want to schedule it and do it. And I think a part of me was avoiding it almost because I was scared. I mean, I still Mm -hmm. am scared of the potential of what it has to unlock. And I felt like I was such in a quote unquote stable place almost Mm -hmm. mentally that I was like, I'm not trying to rock the boat here. (laughs) Like, like I feel good. Like I want to stay right here. But I think it is going to take that little like extra step to like unlock like even further mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like you where you're like you parent your son and you're you're like have him and hold him and it's like oh my gosh like this is so wonderful i'm never gonna do these things but also how the fuck did i do these things <laughs> yes and i feel like i feel that even like without having a, ch- a child i look at like yeah. you know my siblings or my friends or like even thinking about my own potential children and being like i just like one plus one doesn't equal two in this situation. I do not understand. It does not make sense to me how this could be a thing. But then I start to think about, you know, my parents' histories and their past and potential traumas that they never got to get over, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially because my parents had me when they were really young. They were like 16 and 17. Um, And so then I think about my, like, there's been a lot of times like me in my grown age, as I like to say now, that I look back and I'm like, damn, yeah, I too wouldn't know what the fuck to do with this situation if I was that, like, mindset yep. at that age. Like, yeah. there's no way. Um, but it's hard because it's like two things can be true at once moment. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, yes, and. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of yes, anding I do in my life. <laughs> Oh, for sure. It's so funny because your journey of like thinking about EMDR, I feel like I have that same journey. Really? Because I feel like I'm very good at compartmentalizing. 
And so I would go go to go into therapy. I talk about work. Maybe I talk a little bit about family. I'm like, yeah, that childhood was bad. But then you know, this is <laughs> this happened at work, and it's really bothering me. Yeah, I get, like, you're like, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But like yeah. right now, <laughs> yeah, like we, it's like I was like dipping my toe and never like fully going. But I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm functioning. I'm good. You know. Not like, like I'm in therapy. I'm like doing the right thing for myself. But it's like, in a way, EMDR got like, it's like rocking. It, it was like a rocking experience of like un- uprooting a lot of things. But that, in a way, that's like so, that was so good for me. So like that two, mm-hmm. that yes and no kind of situation or that two things being true at the same time, I feel like that was like really it with the EMDR. I was like, wow, I feel completely devastated, but I also feel lighter, <laughs> you mm. know? So, yes, it's, it's, you know, I never knew about that until my therapist was telling me about it. And I mean, it's pretty unreal. And it's like, wow, I can change things, you know? I can't, like, I, I don't know if you all have felt this way, but if you felt like, Probably helplessness. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a sense of helplessness. Like, why is my childhood like? Like, why did I grow up in this situation? It's kind of like reclaiming something, which is pretty amazing. You know. Yeah, you say that, and I'm like, yeah, literally today. <laughs> like, the thought happens like once a week, at least. <laughs> well, listen, we're aligned. Yes, we yes. Know. We Very know. much giving. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> um, but, oh, there was something else that you said that got me thinking when you were talking about, uh, like, I think you and Sam are kind of touched on a little bit when, like, talking about mental health and, like, being open about it and, mm-hmm. like, kind of letting the masses know, almost in a sense, yeah, is kind of how it yeah. feels. Because I know when Sam and I started the show, it's really funny, like, if you listen back to, like, earlier seasons of our show to now and then we're like completely different people and even like the subjects we talk about like we're like okay we're gonna like talk about this but like not too much (laughs) but like now we'll like air it all out and have no cares about it and we've definitely seen from our audience them being like me too so I feel like always in these moments it's very much like no girl us too. Like we get it. Yes. We're here. We're here with you. We understand. Um, yeah. And kind of like our generation being the generation to like make it a normal thing. Like it's not like like you bring up mental health and it's like <gasps> gas clutch, clutch the pearls. <laughs> it's, it's like a normal like oh I too am unwell. Yeah. 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 And I also feel like you know I was so afraid for a lot of my life to be considered not well or not okay. Like, I I really was afraid of that, I think. And I think that's, like, produced, like, this, you know, anxiety that I have or maybe a perfectionism that I can have or, like, all of these things that I can have. And when you hear someone else say, like, yeah, I also experienced this, it's, like, a relief. <laughs> it's, like, it's not just me and my head spitting, you know, or running around or, like, cycling through thoughts, like, it's like, that's how I can live another day. Like, I can't keep living with this chaos in my mind. 
just up there by myself and not talking to anybody, you know? Like, it has to get out and it has to find, like, I have to find community, which I never really thought of as, like, a thing. Like, I need community, but, like, I guess I really do. (laughs) You know, that's what I learned in, like, the vulnerability thing, you know? Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, and sorry, we could go on about you. Me and Summer are going on a mental health track all day, every day. We could literally talk so much about it. But I want, I do want to talk about, it sounds like you have an upcoming project that you're working on. Yeah. And some like, I feel like we're getting like the first scoop details yeah, of what you yes. got going on. <laughs> yeah. So I've been working on a book about my relationship with my mom, actually. So, you know, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia from a young age. And so I kind of am writing about that relationship and um, growing up with a parent who has a mental health, you know, have some mental health stuff. And then the stuff that I got that experience or that, you know, and just like what it, what it's like to grow up with, you know, schizophrenia in your childhood. And so that's a book I'm working on. And that's been, you know, trying to get published and hopefully it will, but um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm working on. And that has taken like, you know, that has been like an exorcism of, of like to be writing about that. It's been really hard, but um, I feel like it's better. It, it's like my relationship with my mother is better in a way because of writing that book or in this process of writing the book. So yeah, that's the other project. That's a nonfiction book. So I'm taking off saying gay's advice. I was just <laughs> I'm trying it out. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. Uh, no, I was literally going to ask you. I was like, I wonder if this is going to be a poetry book, but it's low key giving nonfiction, low key giving yes. memoir vibes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's giving. It is memoir. It is giving. That is. That's what it is. Okay, now um, we're venturing into my territory. <laughs> so, are you? Do you write memoir? Do you write nonfiction? No, 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 no. I but you like them. reading. I like reading them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I watched some of your episodes with about the book. Um, I haven't read this book yet. So, I'm but, glad my um, mom died. Yes, mm-hmm. and I've been wanting to read that book so Gotta badly. I think I'm going to audiobook it because mm-hmm. reading has been harder. But yes, yes. no. Um, some, oh, damn. Somebody else told me they were like, "You should go back and like." I think you've it read it already. Chris. I think it was Chris too. I in the back of my mind, I was like, I think it was Chris. She was saying, like, listening to it as an audiobook is, like, a whole different type of experience mm, than, like, okay. reading it. Because um, she so reads my, it. Yeah, she she reads it to you, like, in her tone and, like, everything. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, I know that's going to, like, break me down. <laughs> do, not binge, do not binge listen to it. <laughs> yeah, like, bracing myself. Yeah, it's definitely, mm, it's a doozy, mm, mm, <laughs> to say the mm-hmm. least. Um, but it's a coincidence. I, too, have mommy issues. Um, so when you were talking well, about, like, <laughs> I yeah. feel like we need to be friends. Like, <laughs> yes. <in real> <laughs> when no, you really said it's though. about your mom, I went, 
That's right when my camera went off, but my mouth dropped open because I was like, wait. <laughs> it's giving, it's like you're my mirror. <laughs> my mirror staring back at me. <laughs> That's what the it's giving. The universe has brought us together yes. for, for, for this. This is great. This, this is, great. is exactly that. Um, the timber, I was the same way. As soon as I heard, like you said, it was. I was like, mm, not a B at B. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. So it's nonfiction. It's giving memoir. Okay. Something. Because mm, I've been like, not worried about this, but like have thought about it. And I'm sure she probably does listen to the show. Uh, my mom. But have you ever thought about like, does your mom know that you're writing the book? And like, that's what it's going to be about. Yeah, I definitely have mentioned it to her. Um, I don't. I'm thinking like, at some point, she would want to probably read it but I haven't like said too too much about it and also in the book it's you don't like I don't reveal her name or anything um and I've been told by people who read it that it's not that I have a compassionate sort of view that's what people say (laughs) that's what what the street said (laughs) That's what my readers have said of it, you know, like the first few readers have said of it. But, um, you know, I got this advice about writing memoir, writing about family. And it said for each thing that might be perceived as negative, write something that can be perceived as positive. Giving yes and. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Moral of the story. Yes and. The answer is always yes and. and. Yep. (laughs) And that's probably going to be the title of this episode. Is yes. yes, and. I don't feel yes. like Jeanette did that. No. She did not take that advice. Well, I, I wondered I wondered about that because I was like, because I, I know what the memoir is about, but I haven't read it. And I'm like, I wonder what that was like. But it's interesting you say this because I just read another memoir called Tastes Like War which you might like, actually, now that I know your interest a little bit. Yeah. But it's about this, um, it's by this woman named Grace M. Cho, and she wrote, wrote about her mom's mental health stuff and, like, growing up with her and, like, her, like, also the story of, like, her mom growing up in, during the Korean War in Korea. And so, like, how all of that sort of generational trauma all that stuff. And I remember finishing that book and being like, oh my God, what a book. So, you know, I'm like Googling it. I'm like trying to find interviews. I see on Goodreads, there are these comments from her family, apparently, who are so upset about the book. Like, you can look this up. Long comments. And people in her family are really upset about the book. And I was thinking, wow, like that is a reality, I guess, if you write stuff like this and so I don't know I've been thinking about it a lot more because I saw that recently but I don't know I hope that she wouldn't have any issues with the book see but maybe this will give you some comfort when we started kind of talking about our parents on the show we gave them no warning so we were also like they're not gonna listen to this and but like now that we've been growing and stuff, we're like, wait, damn, they might listen to this. 
mean, the the tea is only facts were spoken. <laughs> so it is what it is. I would say everything to anyone's face, please come for me. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? But also it's almost like if that's what it takes to have a conversation with somebody because Wait, speak on it. Because a lot of times people will just gaslight you forever and ever and ever mm. and will never take acknowledge never even acknowledge what they did or like mm. validate mm. it as a real thing that you went through. <laughs> so it's like, you know, maybe they're getting mad because you're calling them out, but like you're kind of bringing them into reality. They're not living yeah. there. Yeah. Which is really wow. upsetting. <laughs> and some, sometimes people don't remember the harm that they've caused you. Like, they just don't. Which yeah. is like, how could you not remember Right, that? like how? <laughs> <laughs> but that is also a thing. You know? Yeah, I always... Um kind of getting my Grey's Anatomy back here where I'm like, I pull a Meredith and I'm like, you don't get to tell me how to fix what you broke. Mm-hmm. Say it. Like, yep. it's as simple as that. Like, mm-hmm. hello? <laughs> <laughs> and Sarah, I know I haven't brought up, man, it's been a minute since I brought up Grey's Anatomy, so pat on the back for me. I never finished Grey's Anatomy, but I got pretty far. It's like still on, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm like... Yeah, I I didn't finish it either. Like, I stopped at a certain point in the show because I was like, I truly cannot take anymore. (laughs) Because it it is a heavy show. Yeah. Like, I think I was getting stressed out. Like, sometimes watching an episode, I'm like, why do I feel stressed today? Oh, I just watched that Grey's Anatomy episode. (laughs) Yeah. Like, these emotions. No, yeah, it's a thing. That's definitely a real thing. Um, but okay, so when when can we expect for this to hit our shelves? If you the, the, that book, oh my gosh, I don't know. It's <laughs> like TBD. I really don't know. Uh, this is actually a situation where, like, I have an agent, and she's mm-hmm. like, agent. Yeah, like, I I don't know. I'm still revising, so let's let's hope in the next couple years. Let's That's hope. Exciting. Yeah. I'll no, be I'm on ready. the edge of my seat. No, I definitely literally. have to read the begin to the poetry book. So that's where I'll start. I'll just start there. Oh. I'm really excited okay. to get into that. Ooh. I've well, got a new author to look into. <laughs> I might add you to my Goodreads. That's crazy, though, about what they said on her good. I mean, wow. I couldn't yeah. imagine. It's pretty wild. But at a certain point, it's like, are you willing to die for your art? Oof. See, this were, this was Sam Redu. She'd be like, da 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 da, and then bam. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real existential question. Like I, like I don't know. It's just like the truth. Like, do you? I don't know. I can't not write about this stuff. You know. Yeah. And. I feel like there was, like, I don't know if you watch Queen Sugar. No. No, but so many people have told me to watch Queen Sugar. That's another emotional show that I didn't finish because each time I was like, okay. (laughs) But there's, like, a a narrative thread about one of the characters writing a book about the family and it, like, sends everyone into turmoil. And I'm like, 
Hmm. Is that an Amy? I hope not. <laughs> Am I the problem? <laughs> is it me, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, if it's on your heart, like it is what is the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And the ducks yeah. will fall as they may or whatever the fuck that quote is, you know, like. Wow. I don't know. What are they saying in that quote? They're saying... You know what? They're saying things. <laughs> Something falls as it may. It'll land in the right spot. That's yeah. what let the car. Isn't it let the cards? The cards? Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like... Or, yeah, Whatever I think Drake it's... said, as they say. <laughs> you know, I'll give that to you because you haven't brought up Drake in a long time. <laughs> There's mine. That's oh mine. Gosh. Yours is Grey's That's Anatomy. Mine's Drake. So, yeah, those are topics we plugged and we're like, all right, we're going to give those a break for a minute. <laughs> okay, here's um, one I throw out all the time. I had so many questions, but they always escape me. <laughs> like, I literally feel like I have so many questions I could talk to you forever about, like, just, like, everything about black women, yeah. writing, reading oh but reading um i would love to know what's on your tbr list yeah okay so definitely the book we were just talking about by jeanette um oh, period. Gosh, what's your last name? McCurdy. mccurdy yeah so definitely that book um i'm a really big jesmine ward fan i don't know if you've read her fiction books or her nonfiction, actually but she has a new book called Let Us Descend. And, okay, Jasmine Ward is incredible. And she actually wrote this essay at the height of the pandemic. Um, just, like, search Jasmine Ward, Vanity Fair. And that essay will change your life. It's, I'm not even going to say anymore. But, yeah, she's one of my favorite writers. And she just came out with a book. And oh. I'm a novel and I'm really excited to read that. And what else? Um, I also want to read that book, Untamed. By, by Glennon Doyle. Doyle. Have I you read that? I love that book. So I've been listening to the podcast and it's like been changing my life. And I'm like, I have to read this book. And multiple people have talked about it. So I want to read that book too. So those three. I yeah, I read Untamed during the pandemic and I was like, wow, like I connected with so many things that she was talking about um, and her her journey is just really inspiring. And you know what? That's what I should have known that I was getting into memoirs because mm. <laughs> I and I think I think a little bit of it is because I'm like, I'm not messy with my life but like with other people's lives i'm like what's the tea you're like i want to know what happened who said what right (laughs) like hello it's just so interesting fascinating to me and also inspiring like a lot of these books like britney's book is definitely on my list currently Mm. i have will smith's book on my bookshelf that still needs to be read Chris, uh, our friend from the monthly she was telling us about a book or what was it jennifer lewis's book um which i didn't even know she had one yeah i didn't know she had one apparently that one's really good too 
Um, yeah, I'm, I love, I'm about to start a whole section on our bookshop and our Amazon just for oh, my memoirs for people to like, what, what? about the shade of pink it? I don't know how I feel about that word. <laughs> I just, I want to, I heard it was well written. I want to read it. I want to read it more oh, than Wills. Cause I, I don't know. I don't know. I listened to a podcast about it and they had bad things to say. But then oh, everybody, yes, but everybody in real life is like, um, it's great. So I'm like, I don't know what to believe. But Jada's, I'm interested, even though I know, I don't know, I don't know. She's been like on that PR tour, and that she's being annoying. Yeah, and it's like everything I'm learning. One, one. Let's just start off with most of the stuff I'd be learning about celebrities in their lives. It's against my will. Like some of the stuff I didn't need to know. <laughs> Like, y'all really could have kept that to yourself. Right. And, like, her current, I guess you could call this a press tour, not current, what she was doing. It's like, I don't think this is, I mean, maybe this is good press for your book, but, like, this is, this is definitely changing my view on you as a person. Yes, they say all press is good press. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I have to, like, read it, which I probably would listen to it because I feel like that would be a good book to listen to. Yeah, maybe maybe I'd add it to, like, my listen to it list rather than, like, read it hardcore list. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, Samra, or, or, or you just do it for me and then just tell me all the tea. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I love and, then it. and then I'll read me- Will. Right! And, yeah, mm-hmm. Period. We're splitting the Perfect. spouses. Perfect. I love it. Are they even what was that? <laughs> My wife. <laughs> Whatever the fuck the, this girl the talking about. Pseudo spouses. Yeah. Maybe. The maybe spouses. The baby. What the possibles. Mm-hmm. Messy. Mm-hmm. Messy. Okay. But anywho. Right, I'm <laughs> sorry. Other... <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 all good. Um, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Oh, this is um, This has been a great conversation. And we always say we have the best guests. And I will stand on that hill and die. Um, <laughs> Not die. But- <laughs> you don't have to die. You don't have to. I've yeah. never heard that part of it, Lana. <laughs> Why do you have that- to add that part? I I don't know. I think I'm, I'm not. I think that's it a the little. full quote, though. To be to be real, with I will you. stand. Yeah, I will die. On, it's I will die on this hill. Oh, not yeah. I will stand on this hill. And die. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why it sounded so intense. It sounded so much more intense. <laughs> Once I said it, I was like, "That's not." <laughs> and for now, I'm hearing for a reason. You say those words in the circle. Please tell our listeners, our audience, where they can find you, all the things, do all the press, all the all the stuff. Oh, you sure, gotta sure, do. sure. Yes, yes. So my website is johnsonboriacreative.com. My last name dot com, creative.com. I am on Twitter slash X. I don't know how long much longer, Twitter. but it's Tatiana J. Boria. <laughs> Twitter, yeah. Like what? And Instagram, also Tatiana J. Boria. Um, yeah, you can find out all about me. I have a newsletter called Manifest Monthly, which is on my website. And each month I send like a meditation. So I don't know. I'm really into manifesting. And I share like writing opportunities and arts opportunities that I see because I'm always trying to get people to apply to 
different things, grants, contests. So I have all that in my website, in my newsletter. So yeah, that's another way to get in touch with me. So yeah. That's so needed. I'm subscribed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, subscribe. It's only once a month. I try I don't clog your inbox. Period. A period. We love to see it. Um, we will have all of that and more linked in the episode description. But this has been another episode of She Well Read. I'm Alana. And I'm Sarah. Bye, y'all. <laughs>